Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Good morning. Well, it's my privilege to uh, share this morning. And it's, um, let's pray. I have several things I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, Father, we, we invite the Holy Spirit in this room. And we ask above all that, that you would deposit something in us today that could never be stolen but would go down deep in our hearts and we would actually practice, practice the presence of God, practice the word of God, practice, Lord, everything that you've put into our hearts. And I pray right now, anointing in this room, I abolish all restricting spirits. I command you in Jesus' name, everything limiting what I say or what we hear, we command you to be gone right now in Jesus' name. And let there come an anointing in this room. We may hear the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, well, I, I want to, um, if you've been here long enough, you know that uh, I'm just not, I'm going to tell you what the reality of it. And I, I am a American government U.S. history person, so I'm going to address what happened the last two weeks. And I'm going to talk to you about how we should handle everything. Can I just say, as believers, as the kingdom of God, we're neither Republican or Democrat. We're the kingdom of God people. But having said that, we want to make sure that our government lines up with uh, what our founding fathers intended. So I'm going to address things. And if it falls on either party, I'm sorry. Um, this last two weeks, in my estimation, was a travesty, uh, not because of, of certain things that you've heard in the news. In fact, I'm going to say things because I think uh, more pastors should be the commentators rather than the commentators on TV. And that's the way it was in early America. Cotton Mather, Jonathan Edwards, they were all... Um, they were all there, there, the Peter Jennings of their day, the Tom Brokaws, et cetera. And so um, I'm going to just address some things. And um, I thought it was a terrible stain on the government process what occurred this week uh, because we, we live by the rule of law. Now, let me just say it this way. I, I'm going I'm to just teach for about three minutes, Okay. You can catch this. Uh, I find it interesting that, when, that whenever anybody on TV says, we got to save our democracy, I know instantly they don't know anything about our government. Whenever they say democracy, I know they don't know. I'll prove it to you. When Benjamin Franklin was asked after the Constitutional Convention, as he comes out of the Constitutional Convention, he says, she, a, a woman came up to him and says, what have you given us, sir? And he said, oh, I've given a republic if you can keep it. You see, we are not a democracy. 
anytime anybody says that, I go, you haven't been schooled in what we are. We are a republic. Now, um, let me just, I got to get my notes here so I can, I can, uh, there's a big difference between the two. And here's the difference. The, the difference rests in the source of authority. And it's this, a democracy operates by direct majority vote of the people. And when an issue is to be decided, the entire population votes on it and the majority wins and rules. A republic differs in that the general population elects representatives who then pass laws to govern the nation. A democracy is rule by majority feeling. What the founders described as a mobocracy. The greatest thing the founding fathers did not want to happen was a mobocracy. You saw the mob this week. You, you saw the mob. You see, I'm, I'm telling you that whenever anybody screams at leaders, interrupts leaders, they are doing it out of feeling and not the rule of law. They elected their officials to do things. They must allow their officials to do it. If they don't like what the officials do, you vote another official in. Smile at me. And so what happened, we saw a mob this week. We saw mobocracy. We, I saw, you see, I've been in, uh, you know, we've been in, in D.C., going in out of D.C. for years, 20 years or more. And there's a rule, and you saw the mob dis, uh, 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 totally disavow it. The rule is after the, 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 the sidewalk and the first steps are public property, but after that, in a, the Supreme Court or the Capitol or whatever, when, after you cross the first steps, it is now government property and you have to have permission to go there. I've known this for you. I mean, the, the, the Supreme Court police don't let you do any protest on their property. You can't even do it in the, in the Capitol. But we saw the mob this week. If you, if you watched TV yesterday, it was, it was it's, it, this has nothing to, can I just say this has nothing to do with Kavanaugh. It has to do with exactly what certain people want. I don't care if it was Kavanaugh or anybody else. It, was, it would still be the same thing. And because it, they want mob rule. They want democracy. And we have a republic. So if you don't like certain things, you very... See, when anybody interrupts anything, you know they're a mob. And they believe in democracy, not a republic. That's it. So the, the mob rushed the Supreme Court. Did you see them on the steps? That's, that's, that's not right. They've told us that for years. They were knocking on the doors as this man was sworn into office. I'm going, whether you like him or not, that's not, that's not the issue. The issue is the rule of law. Now, the problem is we don't know that. And we let everybody make our decisions for us in our minds. We better do much better study. So I'm telling you today that you've got to do a better job of educating yourself so that, because we get the rulers that we deserve. Are you with me? Yes. Now, a republic is ruled by law. And our, un, our citizens should early understand that the, that the genuine source of correct republican principles 
is the Bible. That's what the founding fathers said. My grandmother said when I talked to her before she passed away, I asked, Grandma, what was your textbook when you were in school in the early 1900s? She said it was the Bible. So we have all this. Now let me just, I want to I finish this. So we have a republic is the highest form of government devised by man. But it also requires the greatest amount of human care and maintenance. If neglected, it can deteriorate into a variety of lesser forms, including a democracy, which is a government conducted by popular feeling, an anarchy, a system in which each person determines his own rules and standards, or an oligarchy, which is a government run by a small council or a group of elite individuals, or dictatorship, a government run by a single individual. Benjamin Rush said, a simple democracy is one of the greatest of evils. Noah Webster said, in democracy there are commonly tumults and disorders. Therefore, a pure democracy is generally a very bad government, and it is often the most tyrannical government on the earth. John, John uh, excuse me, Zephaniah Swift said, it may generally be remarked that the more a government resembles a pure democracy, the more they abound with disorder and confusion. We saw disorder and confusion today because everybody thought it was a democracy. This is not a democracy. It's a republic. And so I just, I just challenge you. Um, these men said, democracy will soon degenerate into an anarchy, such an anarchy that every man will do what is right in his own eyes, and no man's life or property or reputation or reputation or reputation or liberty will be secure. That's what you saw this week. I would counsel all of the senators, leaders, go back to the Constitution, Find out what it says, what has the rule of law said about all these things, and abide by it. For if you violate it, you are violating the Constitution. You see, we, we, live, we conduct our lives as believers based upon what the rule of law says in the Bible. We conduct ourselves as citizens as what the Constitution says. If we do it any other way, we will quickly devolve into anarchy. That's my statement today. Therefore, therefore it says, pray for your leaders and those in authority so you can live a quiet and peaceable life. One of those men on, that, on the judicial committee was one of the men that we went into his office and we sang in worship with him and he wept as we were in the presence of God. I'm telling you, there's something happens when God's grace is superimposed over government and man's ways, and it will be right. Can you say amen? amen? So can I tell you something? Can you please get educated? Don't let the news media tell you most of what they say is not true. And I just wish I could spend the next five hours teaching you all this so you would know. Because I can tell when I see a person on TV, very, I can tell within 30 seconds of them speaking whether they know what they're saying or not. So, anyway. Okay, I'm done with that. All right? Now, 
But I felt the Lord speak to me and say something. I think, I think we need to educate our kids better. I think we've given over the education of our children to tutors that many times don't know enough or aren't anointed by our standards. And so I, I've, I felt the Lord speak to me that we should have, at least between now and, and election, which is about four weeks away, um, that we should have a, and I'm just telling what the Lord spoke to me, a men's uh, prayer time together and education time. And I would, I would really like the men, particularly who have children, but anybody. Uh, we're going to come here on Tuesdays at 6.30 for the next three or four weeks. And if you can make it, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. But the point is, I think we need to, we need to do our part to bring America back to the place of God righteousness. And I'm going to talk and just, I'm just, I'm going to make a transition now. I'm going to segue now into what I want to talk about this morning out of the Word of God. You heard out of what I felt the Constitution says. Now I'm going to talk about what the Word of God says. Okay, you ready? Turn to the book of Acts. 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. Oh, you, I heard the air go out of the congregation this morning. 6.30 a.m. That gives, uh, you know, if you have a chance to get up, it gives us about an hour, and uh, if you need to go to work or whatever, you can go after that. Everybody goes, oh, no. <laughs> we'll change it if we need to, but we're going to start at 6.30 a.m. Okay? Come on, man. Can you make that, Thomas? Okay, let's do it. Um, Acts. I'm going to talk to, this, to you this morning concerning the future is now. And nobody said a thing. <laughs> Can I just tell you, Acts prophesies our present reality. And if I, were to say, if I were to tell you a book that you really need to read and read over and over and over again, today it's the book of Acts. Because the Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit moving in a culture and in a way that we need in our generation. This church, now I'm going to tell you, I was at a conference this week and I told the, the conferencees that I spoke to, I said, your community should know about your church because your church needs to be doing things outside the wall and not just inside. You need to impact your culture by what you are impacted, imparted, and, and instructed to do. And we go outside the wall and we touch our community. Our leaders in our community, the people in our community should know about Capital Church and every other church in the area because we need to be touching and changing our culture. If, if you just get changed in here and it doesn't do anything outside there, what use is it? We're to be salt and light. We're to, we're to, we're to do things in our community that will, that will impact it. So I went to the book of Acts and I started looking at it in, in, uh, in light of, of our day and of our culture. And I remembered something that happened in Joel chapter 2. So I'm going to go back to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants 
and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You like that scripture? I like that scripture. Well, all of a sudden, we, and I'm going to read some of these scriptures in just a minute, but all of a sudden we see that there was a, there was a Holy Ghost-inspired coup that took place, and all of a sudden there were several people, 120 to be exact, in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Out of that meeting, out, this is the, incidentally, that's the birth of the church. The church was birthed in an upper room. And out of that experience, Peter goes out, and this is a day of Passover, so everybody from all over the world had come back to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And so Peter gets out there, he's speaking to thousands, and he says this. He says, this is that. He says, what we just experienced is that which was prophesied in the book of Joel that I just read to you. He says, this is that. And then he speaks a sermon, probably one of the greatest, I think there's about 12 sermons in the book of, of Acts, but the, one of the greatest sermons of all time. And he begins then to quote this very thing. He says the same thing. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, the whole book of Acts, so he's, he's speaking now what was spoken in previous days, the prophetic thing. Peter then begins to speak it. And now he's speaking it to another generation, which is us. And we need to be saying, this is that. In other words, we need to have experiences in the church that we can say, that's what Joel prophesied. That's what Peter spoke on. And this is what we are experiencing. It doesn't stop. God wants every generation to have a move of the Spirit and God to come on the scene. The whole book of Acts is a treatise on the early church, how it worked and how it is applicable for us today. Can, can we actually see the works of God today? Should we see the works of God today? Is it possible to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit again like that? Well, Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power or dunamis, that's dynamite, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's saying, when you receive, when, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to have power. That power is going to translate into Boise, Meridian, Idaho, the United States, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to impact. If the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can't hold it back. Everyone should know you are a believer. If they don't know you're a Christian, what are we doing? And so, this is what God is, is saying. If, if God is to transform the earth and the world, 
as he has said, he's going to need another axe moment. He's going to need another axe movement. We need the Holy Spirit to move in similar fashion. So I guess my question is, what have you allowed the Holy Spirit to do in your life? Has, has he come upon you? Has he baptized you? Has he transformed you? Has he filled you? Has he, has he endued power to you? Has he moved on you? What has the Holy Spirit done in your life? Can I tell you, when I was 23 years old, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It changed my whole life. My, my, the blueprint of my life changed. This church wouldn't have happened if the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon me. I mean, as the Holy Spirit came upon Connie near the same time he came upon me. And then I'm sitting in my, after, and I've been a believer all my life, but I hadn't been endued with power from the Holy Spirit until 1973. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and God begins to, to, to show me all these scriptures. And he began to open up the Bible to me. And all of a sudden, a blueprint began to happen. And I began to find out the will of God and the blueprint of the Holy Spirit. And he began to take me on a journey. That was about the time of what we would call the Jesus people days. During the Jesus people days of the late 60s, early 70s, there was a whole hippie generation that was getting all tripped out on all their drugs. God comes along and he starts tripping us out on the Holy Spirit. It's true. In fact, almost every one of the pastors in this nation, not everyone, but a good majority of the, of the ministers and the pastors my age in, in our nation came to know Jesus during the Jesus people days. Now we're getting to the place where we're turning over our churches to another generation. Are they ready to receive it? And have we had a good enough movement of the Holy Spirit that another generation of mighty men of God can take the baton and move on? That's what we need. In fact, you'll see, script, you'll see in our history, in the history of America, the move of God happened about every 40, 50 years. There was a major chiropractic shift spiritually speaking, every 40 or 50 years. It happened just before World War, excuse me, just before the Civil War. It happened, we had the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, we had moves of God all through our history. We have not had a major move of God for 45 to 50 years. We are up for one. We're up for one. And that's why I'm speaking on this today, We've got to see that our history tells us, but God speaks to us and says, this is what we need to expect and believe for and pray for. We need to say, God, let the Holy Spirit move on us like the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts. So I'm going to uh, talk to you about different, different statements and phrases through the first part of the book of Acts this morning, give you eight points. Luke 24, 49 says this. Behold, Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Basically, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Listen, Daddy's going to come on you, but you got to go to Jerusalem. you got to get in the upper room, get in, the, in this room, and stay there until the power comes on you. Now, I don't know if they knew what to expect, I'm not sure they knew. Have you ever noticed that God usually does things that we don't really, it's not how we expected it to happen. 
And I don't know that they really expected that, but it comes. As they tarried, as they waited, the Holy Spirit endued them with power from on high, or dunamis. I'm talking about dynamite. The church has got to be dynamite to our culture. We're not being dynamite. We're doing everything culturally okay. We do marketing. We do this. We, and those, that's okay with all those things. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, you won't probably need any of it. So I'm going to talk to you about meaningful Holy Spirit moments in the book of Acts. I'm going to give you eight of them. It's, bibli- it's basically biblical church DNA. Okay, here's the first one. I'm just, a couple of wor- words, a couple of phrases. The first one is upper room. Upper room. In, we, we see this. They, they came to the upper room in, in Acts chapter 2, and we see that they were in the upper room. This is a room above all other rooms. And it's a place to encounter God and have spiritual refreshing and prayer and intercession. It's a place of the Holy Spirit. It's a place of divine impartation. I'm telling you today, we need more upper rooms. This needs to be an upper room. Your prayer closet needs to be an upper room. You're in somewhere in your neighborhood needs to be an upper. We need to have upper room experiences where God comes on us and he begins to pour himself out. It's a place of signs and wonders and miracles and transformation. That's what happened in the upper room. The work of the Holy Spirit in the, and then it changed the whole world. <coughs> Acts, uh, and if you go through scripture, if you do a word study of upper room, you'll find interesting things. When you do a word study, you find out every place where it occurred. And then you'll find significant situations or how God wants to identify it or speak to it. So we go in Acts chapter 9, verse 39, we, we have another experience. Peter goes to an upper room. He gets to the upper room and there's a woman who is dead in the upper room. And he does something very interesting. He puts everybody out of the room. That's interesting. Puts everybody out of the room. Then he prays over Tabitha and she comes alive. Can I just tell you this? If we have too many doubters and unbelievers in the upper room, we will never have an upper room. What happened is Peter put them all out prayed over the lady. She comes to life. Can I tell you right now, it's in the upper room that you will have resurrection power moments. I believe God's going to bring things that are dead in you alive in the upper room. God's going to bring things and maybe dreams and visions that you've had in the past, but you've given up on them. He's going to bring them alive again because the upper room is the place of resurrection power. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to bring things alive in the upper room. Same thing happened in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 19. Here Elijah goes to, a, goes to an upper room that a widow had prepared, a woman had prepared for him, and he comes back to that place in 1 Kings 17, 19, and the woman's son had died. So she, he takes the son to the upper room. And he prays over him and breathes on him three times, and he comes alive. In the upper room, there is life-filled experiences. We've got to pray for upper rooms. We have to experience upper rooms. We have to call on God to bring us into upper room experiences. Can you say amen? Come on. The second thing that I, 
I saw as, going, was, as I was going through uh, the book of Acts. It's the word suddenly. I think we need more suddenlies. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, suddenly, I like suddenlies. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes around, there's a lot of suddenlies that occur. You need suddenlies in your life at work. You need suddenlies in your life with your family. You need suddenlies in your personal life. We need suddenlies in the corporate life. We need God to bring suddenlies. We don't need everything scripted out. We just need God to move. <coughs> and so the prerequisites to suddenly are the day had fully come. It was in one accord and in one place. Now, there's another suddenly. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. <coughs> you see, it says, suddenly a light shone around Saul from heaven. You, you know the story. Saul's on the way to persecute Christians, and suddenly a light comes out off from heaven and knocks him down to the ground, and he begins to have an experience in which his life is forever changed. Would you get a cough drop out of there, Jesse, and bring it to me? And so we see in, in Acts chapter 9, 3, that it suddenly occurred in Acts 16, 26. Here's another story of a suddenly. Paul and Silas are in, in prison. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. <coughs> Can I tell you this? If God, God will go any place to get his word across. You see, the, the people who were in jail, they couldn't come to God. The jailers couldn't come to church. So you know what God did? He took church to them. What happened? There was an earthquake. It rocked the jail. The, the prisoners were going to leave, but Paul and Silas maintained them. And we see a revival that occurred in jail. And this jailer and his whole family came to know Jesus. I'm telling you, if you will pray for suddenlies and believe for suddenlies, I think they can happen everywhere. They need to happen and interject itself into your work or in, in school or in, in homes. And let's start believing for suddenlies. God will begin to take people into places where they're not going to come to church, but God's going to go where they're at. Let's start believing for these suddenlies. We need some Holy Spirit suddenlies. The next thing is a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven, Acts 2-2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I'm talking about, we're not talking about shh. We're talking a, like a jet engine, a mighty rushing sound, as the Bible says. Now, heaven's a noisy place. It is. How do I know? Go to the book of Revelation. Every time heaven is open in Revelation, there's lightning and thunder and people praising and loud sounds. And it says like a rushing mighty uh, powerful, it's like, the, like the sound of many waters. And that's what the Bible says that, the, that heaven is. And we have people falling and crying and shouting and throwing their crowns and all kinds of things. When have, there was only one place in the Revelation where it was quiet. It was only half an hour. And all of a sudden... Heaven went back to being noisy again. Can I tell you, we need more heaven on earth. Now think about this. The Bible says, when you pray, say it this way. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we need to be praying the sounds of heaven down to earth. We need to be praying that, believing for that, the sound of heaven coming down, invading earth. Heaven needs to invade earth. I remember in 1973 when I went into a I went into a church I'd never been before. I heard a sound I'd never heard before. It was like the sound of many waters. I heard people began to, they were praising God like I'd never heard before. Because when I'd been in church, we just sang some hymns, sang a few songs, and then we kind of did other things. We were quiet as possible. We were quiet as church mice. I guess church mice are quiet. But all of a sudden, I heard a sound. It changed. I, I actually fell on my face with with the impact of the sound that was in the church. It was that powerful. You see, when you lift your voice in church, it should be joining with the sound of heaven. You see, when you come to church and you worship, what we're attempting to do is bring the sound of heaven down to earth. Because when the sound of heaven comes to earth, it will change people. They'll come rushing in because they hear it. See, we're not just singing songs. We're to be representing the sound of heaven. Let me tell you, this is, this is, this is an interesting story. We, we saw what happened this week. Do you know I knew what to do this week in Washington? I wish I was there. I knew what to do because I saw all these protesters in the hallway yelling and screaming and everything. I knew what would calm them because we've done it before. And about, maybe about 10 years ago, we were in Washington and we had a team there, and we were at the White House. And this has to do with the sound of him. This is just fascinating. And we were standing uh, on the north side of the, of the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue, so actually a plaza now. But the police wouldn't let us get to the fence, go to the fence, because the, uh, there was somebody visiting the president, and they didn't want us to get too close. As we were standing there waiting to go across, two women come walking down the street, and one was was in chains, she was demonstrating something and screaming and yelling. And there was a woman behind her with a kind of a whip going like this and they were yelling all these things because they didn't like what the president was doing. They didn't like what, what the man visiting him was doing and so they were cursing him and saying all kinds of things and it really bothered me. But I didn't go over to them and tell them stop. The Lord just dropped in my heart. Start singing in worship. So I, grabbed, I turned around to my team. I said, okay, let's sing. We began to sing, God bless America and amazing grace. We sang it with all of our hearts. Then all of the tourists around us began to sing it. The place was filled. And we had four-part harmony, too. <laughs> I mean, if you come with me, you've got to have four-part harmony. I was trained that way. My family, my family was like the Noah family this morning. We used to sing in church like that. And so we began to sing. We began to worship. All of a sudden, I didn't hear another word. They did not say another thing. When we got done, and they walked by us, and bless you in Jesus' name, bless you in Jesus' name, you know. They walked by us, and then we got done. And at that very time, we just got done singing, and then the policeman came by. He was on a bike, and there was, of course, a lot of them, but the, the supervisor was on a bike. And he said, okay, you can cross now. 
He comes along in front of me as I'm walking towards the fence. He comes along on his bike, and he leans down to me and says, Well done, sir. <laughs> you see, I knew what to do in Washington this week. We could, attend, we could have just taken our worship team into those halls, filled the halls of the glory of God. You see, we need sounds of heaven. The sound of heaven will impact people's lives. It will shut up the enemy, and it will release the anointing. We need sounds of heaven. Amen, Pastor Ken. Now, this is interesting. We, we, we teach this. You may have not heard of this much, some of you. There's a teaching in the Old Testament about the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David was a tent that David had pitched for 40 years. It was set up for 40 years, and 24 hours a day, these, these singers and musicians would play and worship to the Lord. They were in three different companies, and they would take their turn at eight-hour shifts to pray and sing. And as they prayed and sang, the glory of God would fill the, the, the tent. David, the, and during David's rule was the time that Israel had the largest extent and the greatest time in all of history. And it was because David would go to the tabernacle to get his revelation. I'm telling you today, we need revelation as it comes from the sound of heaven. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, you will see something very interesting, verse 13 and 14. It says the musicians <coughs> and the singers made a sound unto the Lord as one sound, and all of a sudden, the temple was filled with the glory of God, and it was filled in such a way that they could not minister because of the cloud of God's presence. People, we need the sound to fill the room. You shouldn't be just looking at worship and sing and songs as singing a few songs. We're here to worship God. And if we stop singing the song, you just lift your voice and begin to worship God with all of your heart. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Fourthly, the fourth phrase <coughs> I saw in, in the book of Acts was raised voice. This is interesting. In Acts 2, 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them. He raised his voice. This is a voice above all other voices, a voice above all other influencers. Peter preached. I think we need God-anointed preachers. We need God anointed. In fact, you need to preach. You don't have to get up into a pulpit to preach. You can preach to your family. You can preach to your neighborhood. And by preaching, I'm not just saying getting in, in front. You can just in, in small groups begin to declare the word of God with authority, with power, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we need to preach with passion, urgency, appealing to be people that, that it, it, it must be God-centered, Christ-focused response-oriented, scripture-centered. It must be Holy Spirit-inspired. Let's have our voices raised and see what God does. That's what Peter did. The fifth thing is we need to have wonder and amazement in the church. One, I saw this in Acts 3.10. It says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed. I think we need to have more wonder and amazement. But you know what? All of you depend upon me to bring the wonder and amazement. 
No, it's dependent upon, we are the priesthood of believers. Every one of us are in the same place. We're all priests before God. We're all kings before God. If we cry out to God for him to move every Sunday, do you think he's going to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Think what would happen. Lord, just make miracles. Just allow miracles to come today. Lord, I'm believing today as I enter that door. What if we all did that? Instead of just coming to church, well, I hope it's a good service today. I hope Pastor Ken does something good. Or Pastor Chris, I hope Pastor Chris just preaches so much the paint peels off the walls. And You know, what? no, you call on God. God move in me. You need to have a word. This is what 1 Corinthians 14 says. You need to have a word, a psalm, a prayer for someone else. Every service, you need to come filled up so you can give, up to some, give out to someone else. And wonder and amazement will come. And wonder and amazement needs to fill this house so people will. We don't need marketing if we got wonder and amazement. People will hear about it. They're going to start hearing about it. If we, if we will just say, God, you just show up. <coughs> come and, and loose yourself. When the Holy Spirit is loosed and enabled, there will be so much wonder and amazement. We'll go, wow, look what God has done. I mean, we've had this in this church since the moment this building was built. Come on, you people have been here. You know what I'm talking about. We had the Holy Spirit move. We've had that, this move of the Holy Spirit for, for, for decades now. And I, I remember Connie, my wife, she's coming off the platform. This is, I don't know, 15 years, 18 years ago. She comes up and she gets right here. It's okay, God, I'm just demonstrating what she did. And she got stuck. She couldn't move. I'm serious. She couldn't take another step. So I, with my faith-filled person, you know, I, come on, Connie, you can move. So I tried to pull her. She was stuck. I'm going, God, that's a wonder and amazement thing. So we sat and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came upon her and I don't know, Connie, you were almost semi-conscious, and we put a chair behind her. We sat her down for an hour and a half. We prayed over her, and she was stuck. And all of a sudden, we, as, we, as, as we prayed for her, finally we just, uh, I think it was Wendell, wasn't it, or somebody prayed over her that there would be an intercessory thing that would occur in her heart, and it broke. We've had moments like that in this church for the last 24 years that we've been here. And it was before that in downtown. Can we start believing for some wonder and amazement? I, I'm just not here to say I want, I want to get stuck. But I think we need some encounters with God that changes our course. You, you need to be changed. I, I need to be changed. We all need to be changed. And we need to God to show up and say, hey, listen, I'm in charge here. Back off. <laughs> And he starts moving. Wonder and amazement. The fifth, or the, I don't know, sixth thing is from the presence. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. Everybody say, from the presence. We need the presence of the Lord. This is above all other forces, above all other presence, we need more times of refreshing. You see, when the presence come, comes, it refreshes us. 
It renews us. He renews us. He knows what we need. You see, the Holy Spirit knows everything everybody in this room needs right now. He knows every physical situation. He knows every emotional situation. He knows every spiritual situation. And all the Holy Spirit comes, and he just comes with his presence. And his presence shows up on the scene. And he begins to move in you. We need more times of the refreshing and the presence of the Lord. Lord, fill this room with your presence. Come on. We, and we need to get everything out and get rid of everything that would restrict the presence. We need to leave every service saying, I have just been in the presence of God. Instead, we just, uh, boy, that was kind of a dud of a service. Jeez. Pastor Ken, that was, you see, it isn't about me. It isn't about you. It's about God. And we need more of his presence. Would you agree? I mean, if, if it, can I say it this way? If his presence leaves, I'm out of here. I, I don't want to be anywhere without the presence. That's what, and Moses said the same thing. In Exodus chapter 14, he says, if, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. I, I'm not going there. We need the presence. Number seven, last, next the last thing is we need great grace. Great grace. Acts 4.33 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. We need a... This was the mark of the early church. Great grace. Great grace. We need great grace. And we need above all other marks, we need the great grace mark. It must be upon us. It isn't just something we talk about. Yeah, we, you know, we walk in the grace and we... We, God's given us grace, but it's something we're filled with. You're filled with grace. The grace of God enables you. It, the grace of God is unmerited favor. It's, it's, uh, it inhabits us. It's, it's like the Holy Spirit resides in us. It's divine dunamis enablement. It, it's otherworldly. It's dynamite. And it's this grace that fills us so grace is divine enablement so you can do things that you couldn't do in the natural. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to walk in, in situations in your family or your friends or, or your business or wherever. And God gives you this great grace and you walk through it and you look back and think, man, what just happened? That was awesome. That was me? Whoa. That's great grace. You need great grace. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, give me great grace. I receive your grace. Enable me with your grace. Fill me up right now. Amen. Come on, we need that great grace, the grace that enables us. <clears throat> I want to, the very last thing is this. Now, I could go all day in this. I'm just giving you eight. The eighth thing I found was the Holy Spirit said, Acts 13, 2 says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, I want more of the Holy Spirit saying. It's above all other voices. I'm tired of worldly voices or even my own voice. I want God's voice. We need the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need the voice of the Holy Spirit from heaven. We need Holy Spirit spoken moments. 
Where we leave here, man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Pastor Ken, and it was like this, and it was powerful, and it changed my life. You see, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4, 4 and Deuteronomy 8, 3. Man does not live by the bread that we eat. We live by the word of God. So we need these Holy Spirit-inspired moments. Can you say amen? We, where he breaks in our world. He changes everything. <clears throat> he gives us a blueprint that we follow. And 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, we get down the line. And we look back at that moment that the Holy Spirit intersected our lives. And we say, that was the moment that changed my life. And that directed me for my entire life. Come on, we should be in that situation where we can say that. And we can say, like Paul said, I have finished my course. What was he saying? I finished my blueprint. I, I followed everything God had for me. We need to be able to say that, but we need the Holy Spirit to move, and we need him to move now. Is, I find it interesting. Uh, now is, is, is a word meaning without delay. I started, praying, I started praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just start moving now? I don't want to wait another 10 years. I want now. I'm a little impatient for that, I guess, but I want now. I want now. It's, it's imminent. It's at the present time. It's currently. It's presently. The word now is used 1,335 times in the Bible. Aren't you glad I counted those? 1,335 times. And it's, revelant, it's relevant to the Holy Spirit. We need the now as in the book of Acts. You read through the book of Acts and you see the Holy Spirit just coming time and time again, all kinds of things. We could talk all day out of the book of Acts because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. I'm done. Can you? I don't know what else to do except to pray and believe. Ask God. And then let's, let's believe for Holy Spirit-inspired moments. I'm thanking God for our young people in, in the church. Uh, I think we got a great group of young people that God has planted in this house. I, the GCB, the GCD, the, the interns, etc. But if these people don't start, if, if the young don't step up, this church will die. I was so excited, two weeks ago I got to preach to the GCD. And as I preached and God began to break out, there was 33 people saved. There was at least a dozen that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was at least 80 to 100 that said, well, I want to come to another level in the Holy Spirit. I believe we're in the time of the Holy Spirit and let's allow him to work. Let's say, God, I'm ready. I don't think you are, but say it anyway. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Holy Spirit. And please start believing for him to do something every time we get together. Bow your heads if you would, please. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com. 